I can imagine what can be and be unburdened by what has been, you know? All right, people, this is it. The last live Ruben report of the year 2022. Today is December 23rd. And after we do this show, I release my workers to go celebrate with their families, enjoy themselves, eat some food, snuggle up, do whatever they want. And then I'll see them next year. And I'll see you next year too. Uh, fear not, if you're looking for some video entertainment, Throughout Christmas week, we've got a couple best ofs and a bunch of fun stuff that we'll be posting next week. But yes, this is the last show for the year uh, and what a year it has been. So we are ending it with a Ruben Report Locals community Q&A and I wanna get you guys caught up on a couple things. And we, we have some major, 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 that's like five majors, stuff coming up in 2023. And really, as I've said a couple times in the last few weeks, you know, this has been the most rewarding year of my life. Not only do we have two sons now, uh, but the show has blown up. I feel like the pieces of my life have come together. I think probably more than any other year in my 46 years on this earth, my, my personal life and my uh, career life have sort of lined up. Those tracks are kind of working properly and I'm working with the people I want to work with and I'm doing the work that I want to do and I'm living in a place that I want to live and I have the family that I want to have and all that stuff. And, and so much of that is because of you guys and I'm, I'm ever appreciative of that and uh, I'll say some nice things at the end too, but I'm just, uh, I'm feeling the holiday spirit right now and uh, feeling the love and, and sending it back to you guys through the internet pipe. So we're gonna do a community Q and A. It's a little bit political, a little bit personal, a little bit about the holiday and the future and all that. But before we get to the community Q and A, I do have an announcement to make, which is, as you guys know, over the course of one year of living here in Florida, one of the things that I started doing about a year ago was putting money into this fancy plastic little container here. Every time I gratuitously mentioned California and we emptied this thing out a bunch of times and there was a whole bunch of $5 bills in there and it was adding up and adding up and adding up. And the idea behind that was I was so sick of Cali and so loving the free state of Florida that I wanted to help somebody else escape. I wanna find a refugee from Cali and help them move to Florida to bask in the sunshine and the freedom and all the wonderful things that are happening here. About halfway through the year, uh, on a recommendation of somebody, we thought about flipping the whole thing where instead of bringing another person from California into Florida, although that is a lofty goal, we thought maybe we could just get rid of a Democrat or a lefty from Florida and move them out to California. That started becoming very logistically complex and ethically, I didn't know if it was totally right. So we went back to the original plan of at the end of the year, I was gonna give a bunch of money to help somebody move from Cali to Florida. And that is what I'm very excited to announce. Uh, today, we had a whole bunch of people, all sorts of people from all over, not only America, we had people from other countries that wanted to move to Florida, uh, but in the locals community, people were commenting, people were recommending friends that they wanted to move or family members or how we could help or et cetera, et cetera. It was tough to choose. But Kim K from California, and as Phoenix said to me right before we started, you have to clarify, it's not Kim Kardashian. There is another Kim K in California, uh, you are the winner. I'm gonna email you personally after the show today 
and you are the winner. We thought your story was the most compelling. You've got the six dogs and cats, the two 14-year-old dogs. We're going to get them cross-country. We're going to help you out with the move and a whole bunch more. I'm going to give you that cash, and we'll, we'll pay for some other stuff. And, uh, and you will bask in the freedom of Florida. And I'll have, you know what? I'm going to take you out to dinner too. I'm going to take you out to dinner once you're settled here and maybe Clyde can meet all your, uh, all your dogs. So I'm very happy to be able to help. And, uh, and that's really the spirit of the season and it's the spirit of the show today. But before we get to the rest of the community Q&A, I thought, how could we do one story that would really sort of personify everything that this year was about sort of the good stuff, the bad stuff, like is there a way to do all of that in one story? And as you know, one of the big things that is happening at the end of this year is that Anthony Fauci, Lord Fauci is stepping down, which means that hopefully in 2023, now that he's doing this goodbye press tour for the last couple of weeks, we basically won't hear from this guy anymore. That's really my hope. Now I have no doubt that he will somehow bubble out of the, uh, out of the ether again and he won't be fully done, but he will be done in terms of his public facing COVID uh, front, right? So there was a, he's been doing all these press hits. We've shown you some clips of some of them, uh, but he had this interesting little snippet that I want to show you this little snippet. And then I want to juxtapose it, which is my word of the year, juxtapose it with a little something else. So here's the first part from Anthony Fauci. This is just this week on how people feel about Anthony Fauci. It's nice that some people, you know, idolize me and put me up on a pedestal, but I don't get impressed by that. I never have. All right, it's nice that some people idolize him, put him up on a pedestal, and okay, he qualifies it with, you know, I'm not that impressed, so be it. But that first part that people idolize him, they put him up on a pedestal when he has been so wrong about so many things. And I think that this was the year, if 2022 was the year of anything, it was the year of finding out that our experts were not experts, that our journalists were not journalists that the truth tellers were not truth tellers, that almost everything was completely flipped on its head, that we worshiped people who did not deserve worship and no human really deserves worship, that we, we just got so much wrong, but within that, we started exposing some of the nonsense. But the reason I wanted to show you that clip wasn't to bludgeon you with one more Anthony Fauci clip of the year. It was to compare it, to juxtapose it, with the great Thomas Sowell, this is about 35 years ago on the Charlie Rose Show, warning us of people like Anthony Fauci. Take a look. Vision of the anointed. Self-congratulations as a basic for social policy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you posit here that they're a group of self-anointed elitists mm -hmm. who are responsible for what in America? Well, for much, much of the social policy of the past 30 years and for the disastrous consequences that have followed from those policies. And who are these people? Well, there'd be people in the media, in the academic world, and in politics, uh, particularly those who believe that uh, third parties can make better decisions than people can make for themselves, and particularly when they are those third parties. Uh, I, I think most people who have not been in the academic world would have to see the academics in action to realize how deeply they believe this. I can remember a conference at Middlebury College some years ago yeah. in which they were laying out these plans for how they would manipulate the poor in order to get them to do this, to do that, to do the other. And I said, who are we to be running these people's lives? And they looked at me as if I were a man from Mars speaking a language they had never heard before. That is my Christmas gift to you guys. Thomas Sowell, he is truly the gift that keeps on giving. But how good is that 35, 40 years ago talking about the media, the academics, 
and the politicians and that they think they know better how to live your life than you know how to live it. Man, was there ever in the history of the world a better example of that than the last couple of years, really 2020 and 2021 specifically, but then the exposure of their nonsense in 2022. And Anthony Fauci exemplifies that probably more than anyone else. Instead of saying to people, hey, you know, look, we, we have some level of understanding of what COVID is, but you have to do what's best for you. And maybe you should work out a little bit more because we know that obesity is a comorbidity or you should get more sunshine or more fresh air, or you should factor in your age or any of these other things. They just went all in on the draconian lockdowns and the school stuff and the masks and the vaccines that don't work and the 18 times boosters and all of that stuff. And we should be, we should be uh, not warned, we should be aware. We should be aware that this isn't the first time it's happened and it ain't gonna be the last time. And that's exactly what Thomas Sowell is saying. There is this group of people that think they know how everyone else should live. And call me crazy, but like Thomas Sowell, I think you know how you should live your life better than Anthony Fauci or anyone at Harvard, Stanford, or give me another, give me another elitist college, Yale. You know, the people at Yale, they have to talk like this. Did you know that they have this thing where their mouth, their bottom jaw goes out like this when you go to Yale and you smoke. <laughs> Uh, I think you know how to live your life better than they know how to live it for you. So there you go. I thought that was just a nice sort of bow tie for the rest of the year. And hopefully that 2023 will be the year that regular people realize, hey, you got a little skin in the game and maybe it's your time to shine and we should stop paying attention to these charlatans and you know self-proclaimed leaders and elitists and everything else. On that note, let's get to the Ruben Report community Q&A. Here we go, Vince says, what is your favorite and most despised Christmas song? All right, so everyone's gonna freak out. I know, you know, we don't get a lot of hate on this show anymore. Years ago, I used to get a lot of hate. I think over time, people have realized, even the people that hate me, I think they've realized, well, you know, maybe I disagree with him, but he's not the worst guy in the world, but I know I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this one. My, my most hated Christmas song, believe it or not, is All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Now, okay, I got it. Connor's freaking out. Phoenix won't even look at me. I, I get it. I get it, people love the song. It's got a tune, it's got a beat. Mariah Carey, 90s, it's all kind of working. So you're going, Dave, how do you not like that song? How do you hate that Christmas song? In, uh, in 1998, when I got out of college, my first job, I've mentioned this on the show before, I don't like to brag about it, was I was assistant manager of Electronics Boutique, which is now known as GameStop, in the Broadway Mall in Hicksville, Long Island. Okay, I was moving more Pokemon Red than anybody back in 98. And during Christmas season, when you work in a mall, they play that song 50, 60, 200 times a day. It is on nonstop. There's nothing you can do about it. It's in you. It's in your ears. It's in your mouth. It's in your pores. You hear it over and over and over again. You leave the mall. You're with, you're with Mariah Carey. She's sitting in the car with you. You turn on the radio. It's back on. The song started making me crazy. I couldn't take it anymore. You understand? I don't know why I feel like I'm Regis Philbin now, okay? It was making me nuts. So I just can't hear it anymore. I just can't. So that's that, and I'm sorry. The song that I like the most, though, my favorite uh, Christmas song of all time, uh, without question, is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by the one and only Frank Sinatra. I know there's many versions of it, right? Who do we say sang it for the first time? It was Judy Garland around 1944, but Frank Sinatra's version of it, which I'm guessing was probably from 
probably early 60s, something like that. It's just perfection. I just love Frank Sinatra in general, so just perfect. So there you go. I hope that, uh, you know, I wouldn't lose a lot of subscribers on this last show with the, my, my slandering of Mariah Carey. Lewin says, will the Twitter files make any kind of dent in the mainstream totalitarian narrative or will all these threads just wind up in the stinking heap of the but look at their crimes pile? It's a great question. It's, it's something that I've tried to address a lot lately, like this divergence in reality where a whole bunch of people are saying, wow, there's really something here. We have the evidence of collusion between government and big tech. Not only do we have the evidence, I mean, the government literally was paying Twitter to remove content, millions and millions of dollars. We know that for sure. No one is doubting whether that is true. People are ignoring it. If it goes against their narrative, it's not something you're gonna see on CNN, but there is no legit person that is denying that the emails that, that Elon has allowed to uh, escape from, from the internal Twitter stuff that he has sent to some of these journalists, nobody's doubting that this stuff is true. That being said, there's always gonna be a certain amount of people that ignore it or don't see it or some combination thereof. And then really what gets to the heart of your question is it's like, but things don't seem to change, right? It, it seems like we, we expose stuff, we find out more, we know that these people are acting immorally and potentially criminally, but nothing really changes. So I don't wanna be Pollyannish and tell you that, that everything is gonna change because of this stuff. But what I do think has happened this year, and that, that is the beauty that I hope 2022 will be remembered by, which is sort of what I referenced earlier, that the, the charlatans and the people who lied about everything, a certain amount of people did wake up to that. Now you can't wake up everybody, but more people did wake up. And the world's richest man who did not have to do this, did it. And he exposed a lot of this nonsense. That will inspire a lot of people. That'll, that'll inspire also the right type of people. People who will build businesses, who will build industries, who will build new technologies, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know that the government specifically will do something about it. I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful that the Republican Congress can do a little bit of something, but I'm not, I'm not sitting here like, oh my God, the Republicans are gonna save us because obviously they, they often will fail us more than they will not fail us. Uh, but I think there is a chance, so we shall see. Uh, Vaughn says, how wrong do you think Bruce Willis is when he said Die Hard is not a Christmas movie? Did Bruce Willis actually come out and say that? Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie. I don't know how many times I have to say it and how any, you know, everybody says it. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I understand it's not the most cheery Christmas movie of all, but it takes place on Christmas. Nakatomi Tower, Christmas music, the beautiful love story between Bruce Willis and the father from Family Matters. What was his name? Reginald Bell Johnson, okay? Wow, that's a reference. Uh, it's a Christmas movie. I mean, Christmas party. It's a Christmas party that the hostages are taken, uh, taken at. You know, the, the guy doing coke who's blown, you know, gets his brain blown out by, uh, what's his name, who is in Harry Potter. You got it, okay. Prusky says, why is it okay for people like Chuck Schumer to incite violence or threaten a president of the United States and not be held accountable. I mean, look, you're, you're asking me that million dollar question that you know we've played these compilation videos of Maxine Waters getting their face and AOC protests to make people uncomfortable. And when Chuck Schumer has done it too, they, they all can do this. And what I would say is it's Democrat privilege, man. That's what it is. It's Democrat privilege. They are allowed because they, they go towards the system or they go to higher taxes. They go to, they want centralized power. So the system will encourage you and it will help you do that. When you go down the other path and you say, I'm not that interested in the system. I don't like top-down view of the world, all those things. The system is less kind to you. If you just take a moderate 
deviation off what the system wants, it'll call you far right and a scary, mean conservative and an evil Republican and a racist and a transphobe and a bigot and a blah, blah, blah. Um, so they, they will always have more of a leash on that stuff. But again, it's, it's sort of like the first one. It's like, just start seeing it. Start seeing it. Start being part of this wake up that is happening across the country. Um, and, and maybe in your own life, you can figure out ways to, to not be so beholden to people who are not good. And I would put Chuck Schumer in that bucket. Uh, ben says, now that we're at a point where Americans cannot even agree on the oldest foundation of human understanding, that being defining a man and a woman, which is a tricky one, it is clear that the political echo chambers that we live in have taken us into dangerous territory as a country. How do you realistically see this panning out? P.S. I bought my first bottle of Claus Azul and I love it. Man, isn't there is nothing like it. We knocked out, you know how many bottles of Claus Azul we knocked out at the holiday party? We knocked out probably 10 bottles of that stuff. It ain't cheap, but it's all right. It's all right. I'm happy to do it for you guys. Um, well, first off, I'm very happy that you're on the Claus Azul. It's just, it'll, it'll change your life. It's just great. Um, I assume you're getting the Reposado because the other ones are crazy, except for the Blanco. The rest of the ones are, are crazy expensive. But if you, got, if you got like one of those black bottles, man, you savor that. I'm talking a sip. That's it. You got to savor that for a long time. Um, how, do we, how do we get past this stuff, I mean, look, we got this, this divergence as I'm talking about all the time, and it's like, how do we bring some of it back together? I mean, it's cliche, but the truth will set you free. I think if we're a little bit better than the other guys, if we're a little bit less hysterical, if we can calmly explain to people, you know, boy, years later, uh, sure, you were yelling at me for not getting vaxxed, and you wanted me to be fired from my job and have my kids taken away and kill my dog and all that stuff, but, you know, what are you gonna do? You wanna make up? Like if we could just be a little bit better because the, the thing is not gonna stop. The woke thing, yes, we can expose it and it feels like it's losing momentum in a certain way and all of that stuff. But it, at some level, it's never gonna stop. And I think maybe this is, why, this is why it's very hard. It's much harder for conservatives to conserve things than for say leftists to liberalize things. To conserve something, you gotta go, man, people before me built something and I have to protect that thing. Right? I have to do my best to protect it and honor it. And, and you may view it as something that is imperfect, but it's like, boy, human evolution sort of got us to this thing that's, that's good. Let's say the United States, the principles that, that you and I believe in. This is a good thing, we gotta protect that thing. Holding on to that thing while everybody's trying to get it and destroy it and take it out, the socialists, the Marxists, the communists, all of that, it's much easier to burn things down. So that's why it seems like things are always sort of devolving because to, to live in a time when people are really building, that's, that's special and transcendent. By the way, it's happening in certain places. Have I mentioned Florida? Like it's happening right here, the, the, the building of a future America. It really, really is. And I have no doubt that it's happening in other uh, parts of the country as well. And it might be happening just in your home or in your local community, but it is way easier just to look at someone else's work, just to look at the fruits of someone else's labor and shred it and destroy it and burn it. And, and there is a, uh, I would say a nihilistic attitude for a certain set of young people. It might have something to do with purely growing up on screens and in the, in the, in the craziness of social media uh, that they seem to wanna burn a lot, but it is our job to make sure that not everything gets burned. Uh, Batista says, what new holiday traditions do you have or you're hoping to start this year. Well, right now as we, as we do this, we're in night five or six or so of Hanukkah. And for the first time on night one of Hanukkah, we had the kids, 
We had the menorah, we had the candles, we, uh, we said the prayers, we lit the candles. Uh, I tried to explain the, uh, the story of Hanukkah to Justin. He was drooling all over the place, not really paying attention. So I would imagine over a couple of years, we can get into that. The Maccabees, the Greeks were here, Judean Hills. I could have him watch my video with Netanyahu, who's a fairly good explainer of, uh, of history. Uh, but yeah, I would say connecting back to, uh, to some of those traditions is uh, something that we will, we will take with us. And I think it's partly, uh, you feel more in, uh, that it's more incumbent upon you to do that, I think, when you have kids, rather than when you're just sort of an adult floating around in the universe. Naomi says, what is your favorite Christmas movie? It is without question Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chase. Without, oh, I got a nod on that one. Okay, you weren't happy on Mariah Carey. It's without question Christmas Vacation. I think it's a great, even if you remove the other vacation movies, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, the whole, you know, the kids that are always rotating and all that. You forget the first movie, which is fantastic. Second one's not great, but on, just on its own, Christmas Vacation is just, a great movie. It's like, it's like prime Chevy Chase and just the silly little, uh, like all the, like his little mumbles and words and ah, it's just, it's just perfect. And all like the family stuff and the in-laws come and the fighting and that, but they all come together at the end and it works out. So there you go. Christmas vacation without question. I would say die hard number two, cause I do count it as a uh, Christmas movie. Nick says, assuming that the timeline would remain stable and that your life right now would remain unchanged without a flashpoint paradox. Lordy, Lordy, where are we going with this? Uh, what is one thing that you would tell childhood Dave if you had the opportunity to travel back in time? Man, we're going deep at the end of the year. Um, I guess something like, uh, it's gonna be all right. I guess something like that. Like, I guess if I was to look at my life now at 46, like it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty all right. You know, it's, it's pretty, I don't know that it's going to get much better than this. And that's actually quite all right. Like it's, it's good. I've got a good family. I've got a good extended family. I, I do work that's valuable. I work with great people, all of those things. Like I wake up every single day. I never, let's put it this way. I never wake up and be like, what am I gonna do today? Or, or whatever it is that I have to do is something that I don't wanna do. Like I wake up every day with like a sense of purpose and a, and a reason to be there with things to do and a freaking calendar that is, that is jam packed, you know, basically from morning to night and all of that stuff. Um, so my life is very, very full. So what would I say? Yeah, that it's gonna be okay. I think I had a lot of years, especially late, mid to late twenties into a good portion of, of the early thirties and, and maybe even mid, where it was very tenuous at best. I had successes as a standup and I had failures. I had tried, tried these jobs, that jobs. I did all sorts of odd, I've done every waiting tables and being a bartender and handing out tickets on comedy club streets and working at a PR firm. And I did all of this stuff. And it was always with this like goal in mind that I was gonna be something, something kind of like, I guess I turned out to be, but I didn't even know what it was. And there were a lot of times, uh, I would say the first 10 years, I never once thought of quitting, even when it sucked and I was broke and I was literally eating tuna every night because I had a buddy in food service who would drop off industrial sized cans of tuna to my apartments just so I could survive. Um, but I never thought of quitting. And then I think maybe late 20s, early 30s, like when it, when it started getting leaner and my friends had families and houses and all that stuff. And I was like scratching for anything there were definitely times that I thought I could quit and I, or that I would quit. And I was like, man, I gave this everything I got. And is it possible that you could give something everything you got and it won't work out? But I, even through that, I just kept going. And I think the lesson that I've learned now is that if you give something everything you got, you may not get exactly what you wanted, 
but you will get something in that approximate direction. And I think that that is what this is an example of. So I would have just said, hey, Dave, just chill out a little bit. It's going to be all right. Uh, Lil Red Sailboat says, Dave and team, thank you for all your hard work and great content. Your common sense and humorous delivery helped lower my blood pressure and keep me grounded. Glad to hear that. In particular, it's our tax-funded public schools spending precious classroom time on radical ideologies that make my blood boil. Can you give us three tips to practice on how to remain calm when discussing radical ideologies that have sneaked their way into the elementary classrooms? You know, this is a good question to get this week because uh, the week started by me going to the Freedom Blueprint Conference with Governor DeSantis where he sat down with, it was probably, I don't know, about 300 people that are current school board members or running for school board positions or our superintendents or just running within the system to clean up the system. And you know, Florida, we obviously have a pretty good situation here because of the governor, because of our mayors, where we've removed a lot of the wokeness out of the school, but it out of the schools, but it still is in some places. We happen to do this in Orlando. Orlando is still a, a bit of a blue pocket in a very red state. So there are people that are still fighting the woke stuff, the race stuff, the gender stuff. It's it's even here. Um, I don't know about three tips, but I'll I'll give you one tip. I give this one all the time about be a little bit better, right? So like, it's just like, they're gonna be hysterical. Don't be hysterical. But I think another one, and I, I said it, if you watch my, uh, my 20 or 30 minute video, uh, the speech that I gave at the conference, it's something that I said, it's like, you gotta think about how things have changed and really think about how they have changed and, and have they changed for the better. And I asked the crowd, I said, everyone pick, picture your, I think I did this on the show a couple weeks ago too, right? I said, everyone picture your third grade teacher. Picture you in third grade, you're down here. Now picture your third grade teacher. My third grade teacher was this woman, Mrs. Kochenauer. I love this lady. She used to read us The Secret Garden and she would do all the voices. I, I just absolutely adored her. I thought she was 160 years old. In retrospect, she was probably only 50 or something. That seemed very old to me at the time. But I love this woman. Now imagine this woman, who was I guess 55 probably, had out of nowhere been like, David, David, let's talk about sex and gender. And let's do it quietly and keep it quiet. And I'm gonna call you Daphne. Could we do that? Could we, like, it's so bananas that that would have happened when I'm growing up back in the 80s, yet it is almost routine now, right? It is happening all across the country now. So I think if you calmly explain that to somebody, like, do you really think that is good? If they have kids, a really good way to do it. Do you honestly believe that it would be good even if your child was confused about their gender or sexuality or any of this. And by the way, no third grader is, no, because no third grader is thinking about this shit. But do you really think it would be good or just or legal or moral for a state employee to talk about those issues to your child, potentially call them another name, not disclose it to you? Do you really believe that? And by the way, you will be disappointed because you will get some people who will say yes but they don't really mean it in their heart. They mean it through their brainwash lens. And if you just put it back on them, put it back on them, you know, it could be anything. Uh, it could be about, about the welfare state. Do you think that if you were given money to do nothing that you would turn it away and go bust your ass? Or do you now see how that would create a cycle of poverty? Like, I think that's the best way to do it, to really personalize it for these people, but it is tough, it is tough. Tony says, can we get a Rubin Report community meetup in Florida soon to celebrate all of us escaping to the land of freedom? Yes, we are working on it. Uh, we'll probably do it somewhere in South Florida, most likely Miami area. Um, but I've got a couple locations that I think will be good. We will do that for the, uh, for the locals community. 
I'll buy some drinks, we'll have a good time, and we will celebrate freedom here in Florida. Margo says, hey Dave, we all love your shows here. All right, thank you very much. Uh, I think you know this by now. Any chance you could insert some really true feel-good stories in your shows? I mean, there are some really great humanitarian people in the world doing wonderful things for others, and we don't hear about them often enough. I actually love that idea. It's something we've discussed a little bit because you know how I feel about the, the racehorse politics stuff, right? It's why over the last two months, really post midterm elections, I've really focused on the culture stuff as opposed to every little bit of political machinations that are happening everywhere. Um, but the idea of focusing on people that are doing good things in their own communities, yeah, maybe we'll do like a monthly roundup. I got the, I got the nod from Phoenix. We will do some kind of monthly roundup or maybe like mini Skype interviews with people and shine the, the spotlight on good people doing good work because they are out there. Uh, Kathy says, can you announce anything exciting happening on the Rubin Report for 2023? So there's a bunch of stuff that we've sort of been sitting on for, for a bit that I think I'm gonna hold a bit longer and make some announcements in 2023. I, I will tell you this as a little bit of a tease. Uh, as you know, I started Locals, uh, you know, at this point it's a good four, four years ago or so, five years ago almost, with the idea of like, can I do something to, to fight this big tech madness? And clearly, uh, Big tech madness needed to be fought. And then about a year ago, we merged with Rumble. You know, we, it's, it's hard to fight a battle alone, right? You like to be with some teammates that have some other weapons so you can fight in many ways. You got your, your Air Force and your Navy and your Army and all that stuff. And that's, how you, that's really how you go on this battle. And that is what we're in. Uh, so we will be expanding on our partnership uh, with Rumble and with Locals. We're gonna be adding a daily Locals component to the show. Uh, so I will at least tell you that much going forward. So starting in 2023, when we finish the live show, which will remain here on uh, Rumble and on YouTube, just as you see it normally, uh, we'll continue for about a 15 minute post-game show where we'll take some questions. That I, I told the guys, I want them to correct me if I screwed anything up, like we're gonna make it more fun and, and kind of silly and relaxed and, uh, and all that stuff. That's one little thing we're gonna be doing. And then we'll have some other announcements along the way, but, uh, but I can tell you this also, 2022 was by far our biggest year. We crushed every number across every platform. Every month basically was our biggest month in terms of every metric that you can possibly imagine. And uh, it's all good and it's because of you guys and I, I thank you for it. And, and again, we're, we're right back at the beginning. Uh, Benjamin says, do you have any suggestions on how to begin to red pill someone? Booze. Pasta Azul, a little tequila usually helps. Um, well, it's a little bit of what I said earlier about, you know, you turn some of this stuff, make it real personal for them, make them really think how they would behave in a specific situation, whether it was relative to their kids or, or their dollars instead of just sort of the amorphous tax dollars, that kind of thing. Um, but I think, I really, really think the way to red pill people is to live a good life. I, I, it, that really is it more than anything else. People, people inherently know a certain set of things. The, the wokesters are so hysterical. They're so angry. They're so mean. They're, their whole world is wrapped up in so many lies. It's why Democrat politicians, when I show you these videos of Corinne Jean-Pierre, it's why she can't say a word of truth, a word of truth. They're so in on that thing. And it's so inauthentic. It's what I always said about Trump. It was like, you may not like Trump, but Trump was more authentic than every one of these Democrats, obviously. You may not like certain things about him, but, but authenticity matters. And I think if you authentically live a good life, like somewhere in the ballpark as close to good as you can get, and you just keep trying to get there, and sometimes you'll, you'll fall off that wagon and you'll have to get back on it. And 
uh, and all of those things, then over time it shows somebody who might be on the fence, boy, do I go full woke or do I go sane? You know, that's the choice. And they might look and be like, boy, those, again, I don't like that conservative thing, but like those people over there, they're, they're, they're actually all right. And that's one of the things that worked for me. It wasn't just the idea set. It's that when I started talking, not just talking to, I mean, on the show, but when I started hanging out and having dinners with Glenn Beck and, and Jordan, obviously, and Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager and all these people, it wasn't just that the idea set was good and they wanted to talk about it. It was like, they were nicer. Really, and I mean that, more generous of spirit and kind and all of those things. And I think that ultimately is how you get people over. Sweetwater says, what is an unexpected trait about David that you love? Unexpected, that's tough, unexpected. I mean, we've been together for, for 13 years, which for straight people, it's like 40 years or something. So it's, it's hard to get me uh, something that's unexpected. Um, he has been an absolutely phenomenal father, like phenomenal father. You know, I, I work, I'm in here doing my thing and traveling a bit and focused on the show and the ideas and all of these things for many, many hours a day. David is down there with two kids, you know, basically four months and two months who are at various stages of development right now. And as, as they get older, you know, two months, which two months right now means a lot, but as they get older, it'll kind of lock up and they'll, they'll in essence be twins. And then hopefully, you know, emotionally, they're roughly the, the same. They meant, I don't mean their temperament will be exactly the same, but like the ballpark, they're going to eat at the same time and they'll be able to poop by themselves and, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, he's down there like running the show down there, uh, you know, basically 24 hours a day. And he has absolutely thrived and found purpose in it and made my life easier along the way. And, you know, every day, if I finish a show, I get to go down there and I play with the kids quick and maybe I'll change a diaper quick. And then I get back up here and do my thing and all that. But I can't say that's unexpected because, because uh, he's good. He's really good. And I know how badly he wanted this. And, and now he's living the, the reality that, he was fighting for, so uh, it's not unexpected, but it is certainly good. Uh, T-Mod says, I've been a new Floridian for almost a year now. Christmas here is much better in Tampa than in the San Francisco Bay Area. People are friendly. Believing in God and being a conservative in California was a harder job than I thought. Do you agree that people are more friendly and accepting here in Florida? Well, this is the final question of the year, and it's a good one, yeah, yeah. Because when you set the ground for freedom, when you, when you do the work on the ground, the soil is rich and then good things can grow out of that. The amount of holiday spirit that I see here uh, in my community here in Miami is so much more than what I saw in my community in LA. Uh, October, the Halloween spirit, like every house here was doing awesome stuff, but it's not just that, it's the neighbors saying hi, the smiles, the how you doing, the saying hi to the babies, the restaurants that are packed, like the life that is here. And then you see all the refugees, people come here. I still see this now. People that I know that live in Cali come and they visit and they cannot believe it. And then when I've gone back the other way, I'm like, I can't believe this, that people still live like this. So if you create the conditions for freedom and you vote the right people in who will, who will protect those things, um, it's not just an, an academic exercise of like, we live freely, our schools teach the right things. Do, 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 do. It's something that starts bursting out of you, which is that humans want connection. They wanna be social, not antisocial. Uh, they wanna not be staring at this all the time, but looking out and about. It also helps that the weather here is great. So, you know, if you, if you live up in New York, let's say, 
or in a really cold place during Christmas, it's nice because of snow this time of year and everything else. But like, you're usually kind of running in and out to get, you know, back into the heat indoors. Where here, it's like, I'm outside in a t-shirt right now, feeling good, like there's more people out. There's just, there's just a sense of life that is good. So congratulations on moving from, you know, dystopian San Francisco to free Florida. And on that note, once again, I want to congratulate Kim K, not Kim Kardashian, uh, but a different Kim K. We are going to get you out of Cali. We're going to move you to Florida and see how else we can help. And I'm very excited for you and the cats and the dogs and, and the whole thing. I assume there's some birds and hamsters. Who knows what you got? Very excited. Uh, on that note, guys, that is our last show of 2022. In case it is not clear, I, uh, I am appreciative and I am humble in my thank you to all of you guys for making this our most successful year ever on, on every front and in every metric possible. Uh, it has been an absolute blast. I think this is just the beginning. I, you know, there's so many things happening in the world that are so connected to all of the stuff that we talk about, whether it's whatever is going to happen in 2024 and how Florida will be directly connected to that, or whether it's the free speech stuff or, or just any of the stuff that we talk about here. Uh, these, these things are real. And if I've moved the dial in just a tiny way and affected you in some way that made your situation a little bit better or made you think about any of this stuff a little bit clearer, uh, then that is pretty freaking awesome. I'd also like to thank this guy, Connor, over here and this guy, Phoenix, over here. We really did something special this year in this room. Daphne's in here sometimes, but these are my two main guys in, in here every day. And we create a, I walk in here and it's like, we're good. We're laughing, we're having fun. And I think that translates into why you guys probably watch the show. So I thank you. As I said, we'll have some announcements. Oh, and I guess I can tell you one other thing for now, which is that we will do our first show of 2023. Uh, we'll be in studio here on, uh, on January 2nd. And then that night, I'm heading up to Tallahassee. It's the governor's inauguration. So I will be there for the ball that night. And then there's a bunch of events the next day. Uh, so we'll do a quick pre-tape uh, for the third. Uh, and then I'm going to try to tape a bunch of stuff there. Maybe I can get the governor, but there's going to be a whole bunch of other people there. And what, what a beautiful way to kick off the year, right? Like what a beautiful way to kick off 2023. I am uh, very excited about that. On that note, thank you guys. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your families. Love each other. All the stuff the TV personalities say when they sign off for the year. And we leave you for the last time in 2022 with the elderly man pretending to be president. Goodbye. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. I married Dominic Giacoppa's daughter, so, you know, I got a little Italian in me now, you know. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.